All right, guys, welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 37. I got it right. We are joined today with Cam from the Aggie Libertarians. What's up, Cam? Hey, what's going on? Cam is not going to release his last name because the feds are after him. So we're trying to keep it, <laughs> trying to keep it low key. Thank he's you. young. He's a student. He doesn't need to be doxxed yet. <laughs> I also have a Santa hat on. Santa hat. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, you're... You're right on time. Thanksgiving is over. So I think that's permitted now. That's allowed. Yeah, no, 100%. But next time you got to come on with the Joker makeup on. with the Oh, God, that, that was one of my best bits. I love that. It was that incredible. Was funny, man. We were cracking up when you and Toad did that. <laughs> it was funny. I was scared. You were scared? You were scared? Joking. Oh, I'm joking. Ha, ha, ha. All right. So, um, so we wanted to ask you a bit, not just about like the group that you started on campus, but... I was kind of, I guess I like to start off with some background info and like where, where's the guests come from and how did you arrive where you are? And one of the things I want to talk to you about, I guess, is your political journey because you had a really interesting political journey. And I feel like most people your age today, it is more hip to lean toward the woke left crowd, but you sort of started into Bernie, right? And kind of moved into conservatism a bit and then moved from there into libertarianism. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that, but also just where are you from, you know, and what's your story and how did you get into politics as a, as an interest? So, um, I am originally from San Antonio, Texas. So I've been a Texan my whole life. Uh, now I reside in College Station because that's where Texas A&M is. So, uh, that's fun. And then, uh, what, what was your other question? Well, I guess your, your political journey, how you got oh, into politics yeah, of course. and how, how much your, I guess, views have shifted over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Well, I would say that uh, it's not really more hip to be left wing. I think that it's definitely more easy, easier, sorry, not more easy, but, um, and, and I think that goes back to most people want to be left alone, right? And then well, whatever goes with Whoever's the most aggressive political ideology, which is definitely the more woke, scold people, you know, it's very easy to go over to that side. Just leave me alone. You know, I agree with you. Just leave me alone. But um, my political journey would start somewhere back in high school uh, with the 2016 election and Bernie Sanders, because uh, Bernie was uh, for free college. And I thought that was really, really cool. And that, that's it. <laughs> my Bernie Bros story. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I imagine someone you know young and about right, to go to college right. and have to pay for all that shit is like, oh yeah, free uh-huh. college. Yeah, that's that's, that's my guy. And whoever he is, that guy. Right, right. No, exactly. And uh, as as you can tell, it's very short lived. Um, I fell out of love with Bernie Sanders quite quickly. Um, I, I had always been pretty um, anti-authority. I always liked. Uh, you know, pushing the boundaries and whatnot. And of course, I was definitely in middle school, high school, you know, you'd gather around with your friends and listen to like, feminist troll gets completely destroyed by, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I thought that was just the funniest thing in the world, because you know, I, I was young and whatnot. But um, I, I, unfortunately, uh, fell in love with uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, Okay. Uh, I don't know. You guys know the name, right? But um, yeah. Milo's story coming, yeah. yeah, going back into the closet, coming into the closet. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. No but um, <laughs> he was, and, and that's, you know, high school, that's when I came to realize I was, I was gay and whatnot. And Milo was also gay and he was very flamboyant and very, 
God, he was just almost mean in the way he conveyed his ideas. And I thought it was glorious because I, I didn't really see anyone else in my sphere being like uh, just fighting back as hard as Milo was against more, more of just like in a free speech sense, if anything. And, you know, against this uh, all men are awful kind of rhetoric and whatnot. And I thought that was really cool. And uh, I followed him. I bought his book. He was one of the first political books I ever got was Dangerous, uh, which I felt like was a good book. And uh, after that, I fell in love with Donald Trump because Milo was all over Donald Trump. And then um, and then I fell out of love with Donald Trump. <laughs> I a, lot moved, of, a lot of other people too. Right, right, exactly. I moved over to what uh, Ben Shapiro and whatnot and Jordan Peterson and all them. Uh, I still love Jordan and, and Ben's okay too, but- um, we're, we're fans. Yeah, yeah, no. And then uh, I think he's a sweet guy. I just think he's wrong. <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think, I think I'm, I'm just a little, a little disappointed in Peterson mainly because I, I feel like he's been too quiet up until recently about the clear signs of like actual totalitarianism rearing its head right mm -hmm. now. And it's like, you would think him of all people, he would be like one of the first people to notice that and to like not right. fall for it. But I just, I think that period he went through really like threw him off. And I think it was just too much for him to even try to tackle that on top mm -hmm. of all the other shit he was going through with the addiction and his mental health and then his, his wife's his wife's health, health and uh, all of that, you know, Michaela too. So, right, right. I mean, I, I forgive him a bit and he recently did come out and he said, you know, oh, I got the shot mm -hmm. and all that stuff and, and thought, oh, I, you know, they would leave me alone and now they still won't leave me alone. So right. stupid me, he said. Uh -huh. And so he, I kind of. I forgave him a little bit. I'm like, all right, at least you're recognizing that you kind right, of towed no. the line a bit and maybe you shouldn't have. And you did it for convenience and you thought, oh, well, it's not going to be that bad. And it turns out, yeah, no, it's, it is that bad. They are segregating people. It's uh, time to say something. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Peterson's great for the most part. I think he's genuine. I think he genuinely does want to help people. And like that whole thing with the comic and him being like, depicted as red school and all like that stuff <laughs> right. really hurt him and mm -hmm. i understand why you know when you think about how he's devoted his life toward fighting these ideas and exposing mm -hmm. them and getting people to understand them and then to be accused of the very evil that you are trying to actually expose so right yeah no well i mean it's just like everything they else i i feel like the left the woke left is done nowadays and it's really demonized uh, some of our, our most profound and, and sweetest thinkers, right? Jordan Peterson is a sweet guy. He is. He's yeah. not mean. And uh, sadly and unfortunately, I feel like that the more people are nice and, and you know, uh, very, I don't want to say submissive because obviously that's not what they are, but uh, just let, let's go with nice. I feel like those people are looked upon as weak by the left and I think the left really likes to pick on them because they know they're not going to get much backlash I think for it. there's truth there and that also goes back to Milo and his abrasive style mm -hmm. and what makes that I guess appealing to some people and me personally right. I do like people who tend to be abrasive and I don't mean that in like a mean way just in, in mm -hmm. a cuttingly honest way like I'm from New Jersey and everyone is like <laughs> right yeah there. exactly so that's, that's, so mean. that's the that's the style i'm used to like throw some right and shits in there and, and be angry and like don't don't be afraid to like mask that and act like you're not when you are mm -hmm. but 
I, I don't know, maybe it, it turns people off too. So some people that's just not what they're into and they look at it as like being militant or, or something like that. And that, that's kind of what happened with Milo. But uh, he's he's a weird case. <laughs> he's he's an interesting character to say the least. Yeah. But just that but, style, I, I can see yeah. the appeal to it and why people mm-hmm. like him are looked at maybe a little differently and than people like Peterson. But they 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 had a conversation together too, which I thought was really interesting. And I respected a lot that Peterson was able to go over these like divides and like talk to some of these people. Mm-hmm. And to take the hits for doing that and being yeah. all of these horrible things, like Rogan, like just like Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. Rogan, and he was on Ethan Klein too, Jordan Peterson. And you know, Ethan Klein is not a right leaning guy. Like <laughs> these are that's the H three can... guy. H three, H three, yeah. Yeah, he's the uh, he's so like a he's one of those persons that was like, uh, you know, the CDC just tells you what to do. Like all you have, you don't, you literally don't even have to think. You could just follow right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that was my the extent of my yeah. like uh, Ethan Klein. I'm not familiar. Pull him up on and then Twitter. He was supposed to. He was supposed to have a debate, I think, with uh, Stephen Crowder, and he was the one who sort of like pulled in this like other guy who. Oh, was I remember that. Sam, Sam yeah. Didn't he? Uh, he backed yeah. out of that, didn't he? No, he didn't like back out. He just like pulled in this other guy um, that is like that was a notorious. Troll. Oh, this dude. This dude. Yeah, I, I remember this dude. He's, he's also like he's kind of wacky. He's not aging gracefully. I think his testosterone levels are a little low. <laughs> uh, TBH because he you needs know, to lift a bit. He needs to lift a little bit. He's getting a little chunkier on the midsection. Yeah. He's losing. Some I, re- hair. I remember this dude from a couple years ago. Peterson appeared on his show. He was actually like when he first came out. He was sort of like an iconoclast, contrarian, sort of like libertarian lefty. And then COVID happened, and he just like you know. Like a lot of uh, a lot of left wing accounts, they just like went full fascismo, and his following grew pretty quick. Actually, uh, he's very popular. It. Like same with uh, he's he, he's like sort of in the same vein as Hassan, like Hassan Piker. Yeah. Oh my god. So all right, so you went from Trump and then fell out of love with Trump. And how did you get into libertarianism? And one of the things I wanted to ask is because mm-hmm. I see this question online too: how conservatism and libertarianism differ like if someone were to ask what's the difference between conservatism and say libertarianism because i see them commonly lumped together Mm -hmm. or and and i see other people arguing like they're not the same you guys aren't us there's also right right leaning (laughs) uh libertarianism and then there's like left-leaning libertarianism Mm -hmm. so maybe cam can give us a explanation yeah and also describe austrian economics i i will do my best (laughs) uh so I found libertarianism through this guy from New York. His name is Larry Sharp. And I love Larry. He's incredible. And I listened to him on YouTube and he made a lot of sense. And then from Larry, I uh, found what Dave Smith and Tom Woods and Scott Horton and Michael Malice and, and all these other people who yeah. made perfect sense. Uh, and, and more importantly, they weren't afraid to say what they wanted to say you know they never sugarcoated things I always felt like other people on the right like Ben Shapiro they always sugarcoated things always tried to be as nice as they could and you know Dave was more like screw all you guys I mean I don't, I don't need any of you guys you you all suck and uh it's great but um there was that uh also the lumping in between libertarianism and conservatism so what are the differences I think you asked 
And uh, the biggest difference for a long time was back in the Bush era was the uh, more, you know, pro-peace, like libertarian people were over here. And then the more like security state NSA Republicans were over there with, uh, you know, more hawkish foreign policy. So that's kind of what divided libertarians and conservatives back then. I think right now, conservatives and libertarians share probably more ideals than uh, ever before in probably what recent history, because now you have conservatives and libertarians on the same page about forces like the FBI and the CIA, right? I mean, those, those institutions, we've completely lost faith in them and they need to go. Uh, they've also yeah, which is weird lost... for conservatives because typically, right. I mean, if you look at the Bush era conservatives, uh-huh. they're all about those organizations. Exactly, 100. And... Yeah. Right, yeah. And then, so there, there's that that we agree on. We both agree on, you know, the COVID night lockdown tyranny kind of stuff. Uh, I would say that right libertarians usually push a lot further in the direction of freedom. Um, I think the prime example is red flag uh, gun laws. I think that a lot of conservatives, you know, do support those. Dan Crenshaw being one of the most notable, um, where libertarians are completely against that. I think that uh, libertarians also focus on, uh, in in Austrian economics, you wanted me to bring that up, but um, Austrian economics is kind of what libertarianism is all about. And it's about freeing the market, not, not free the market in the terms of, give money you know to big banks and give a ton of tax breaks like race on and whatnot so you can blow up more kids in the middle east and then send that check back to us and and whatever like true free market capitalism and so i think one of the most uh, the best example i have of that number one would probably be ending most occupational licensing right and and more of these state barriers that you've put into the economy taking those out, you know, they're, they're barriers to help, right? Occupational licensing is there to help for most part, or at least that's what they tell you. In theory. In theory. And then what it really does is this poor lady in Chicago who wants to cut hair has to go get 50 different licenses, right? To go cut hair. And you know? insurance. And then, yeah. And insurance. <laughs> and it's, it's complete. I mean, it's bullshit, all of it. And so uh, Austrian economics is the belief that the more government has influence in the market, uh, not only are you dampering innovation and, and all these other things, but you're also, it's also almost immoral because it's, it's restricting people from making the decisions that they want to make, making the economic decisions that they want to make. Would you say so, Thomas Saul falls into this sort of school of thought? Uh, I heard that he was Chicago economics. Granted, I don't really know the difference. Uh, I, th- I think that Thomas, everything that, you know, he said and the things that I've uh, watched him say on economics and whatnot I generally agree with I don't really yeah. see any disagreement there from the and, bit I've read and and seen he does seem to take a similar view where you know the less government involvement there is in the market the mm-hmm. better we just kind of let the market right. do its thing right I, I think that we try to maybe, intervene all these problems happen every mm-hmm. time we try to intervene and regulate right. it and control it so yeah no definitely and I think maybe probably one of the biggest, uh, another big difference probably between conservatism and libertarianism, right, is that a lot of these libertarian types, uh, myself included, (laughs) are uh, definitely more on the anarchist side of things, where it's like no government, no, no regulate, and that's what you want to work towards, whereas conservatives are maybe the more, 
libertarian types are just like, you know, there needs to be some framework, uh, very, very minimalistic in order for this whole system to work, which I think are both very respectable views. And which goes into something else, I guess I wanted to bring up is, is there's just been more and more talk about divorce and <laughs> and that that sort of oh, the horror. and i've heard i've heard you make you know mm-hmm. statements like this too and others and there's a part of me that totally understands that perspective and is like yeah how do how do you live with these people and and how like these states some of them are just so vastly different culturally it's like maybe it is mm-hmm. better if they were their own country but then it's like there's that Americana part of me that understands like say the civil war and all the stuff that went into that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, despite the, despite the fact that slavery, yes, was like this driving force behind it, the war really mm-hmm. did start because they wanted to put the union back together. So you think about all right. the blood that was shed to put the union back together. And the reason mm-hmm. that they looked at it in that way was because they knew the union was why we had a country to begin with. It was because these colonies right. were able to put shit aside get together, fight this king, and then free themselves. So they view mm. the union as this sort of sacred thing. And I think a of lot course. of conservatives still view it that way, but maybe more of them now are questioning whether or not divorce is a good idea or not. And I'm, see- I'm seeing more and more people talk about it. So it's something I wanted to bring up on here. And yeah, do you, do you think that's a good idea? And do you think that's practical? Like, will that be able to ever be done? without rivers of blood, because I feel like there will be people who will fight to restore the union inevitably. Mm-hmm. And it has happened before, so. So there, there's two things I wanna go over. Number one was, uh, the, you know, uh, the reasons people wanna to stick together, right? And you said, some, you said about, you know, all this bloodshed and all this war to preserve the union and to preserve America, the greatest, you know, bastion of freedom left on earth, which I, I truly believe. I think America is the freest place on earth. Right. Um, And so I'll go into that a little bit. I think that what a lot of people fail to see when they look at America in terms of like civil war, in terms of uh, fighting the British and, you know, screw you and your stupid tea and threw it on all into the harbor. It was great. It was it was beautiful. (laughs) Um, We have to look at our country now and see if that spirit is still alive. And I would definitely say in places like New York, California, um, a lot of, you know, Illinois, that spirit is no longer alive. These people they, do not appreciate What's crazy it. is they think it is. They think this right. woke, progressive type of view that is now dominating mm-hmm. the pop culture and the Democratic Party. Right. That, that is as American as you can get. And they view all the other people who are Republicans and are maybe a little more traditionalist. They're now the, the crazy uh, radicals, you know, uh-huh. God forbid exactly. you, don't tread on me gadsden flag you are a rat right now and it's like that's literally from the founding of the country mm-hmm. so I, yeah no the, these people and and i think this is great um but these these people and this is something toad really helped me to see uh when i you know started hanging out with him was that the people on the left cannot most of them there's some great people on the left but a lot of these people can't reason they, they don't use reason. I, I think that one of the most basic arguments that you see today, like for instance, when I, when I did that Twitter post, uh, when I was like, this is child abuse, you know, and there was that child who's being dragged to like drag shows and gay bars and whatnot. Yeah. Being propped Brent, up. Brent has some stuff to go in about that. I think. I got, right, but I, I think that's one of the reasons they nuked my yeah. solo channel. Well, he, the post he's talking about too, is about. Right. 
That's oh him. But yes. but even a, but even on that post, one of the most I think frequent attacks was stopping homophobic. Stopping homophobic. These people are not smart people, right? I mean, that's that's why I still have hope for the liberty movement is because our opponents are stupid. Like not, all they have I, I feel is like a lot of them can't fight either. So even if an uh-huh. actual ripping apart of the union happened, right? I mean, good luck right. restoring it. I don't know how. <laughs> right no exactly i mean you really want to go against 100 kyle rittenhouses more than 100 anyways i digress but um i think the thing that really sold me on national divorce um and uh why i do and i do think it's practical i think that national divorce is probably the most peaceful way we can go about what's inevitably going to happen in this country which is a huge cultural divide that you know under the federal government is going to be a policy uh, could be a policy about guns. It could be a policy about abortion and whatnot. Uh, that is going to cause bloodshed because uh, half of the population is going to be living under what they see as morally apparent, and they're going to fight. That I, just to frankly put it, right? I mean, if if you push too hard on gun restrictions, there are people. There is a good portion of this country, as they should be, that are going to take their guns and they're going to go, you know, and potentially start something. Uh, granted, nobody wants to see that happen. I definitely don't want to see that happen. Same. I hope nobody gets hurt, right? And I think the way that nobody gets hurt is that you peacefully walk away. And and the thing, I'm sorry, I'm getting to it. But the thing that sold me was um, I was friends with this progressive and we were having a conversation about abortion. And I said, well, part of, you know, me and and I was still kind of pro-choice on uh the whole abortion issue I'm not anymore but um uh when I was pro-choice I still this is still something that was so damning to me that that I had to say like national divorce must be the only option because what she was trying she was trying to make the case right that uh she supported getting rid of the Hyde amendment which is the amendment that says you know federal money cannot be used to pay for like abortions and whatnot at Planned Parenthood and she wanted to get rid of that. And I, I asked her, I was like, well, don't you think that, you know, some Baptist conservative lady living in like Oklahoma is going to have a serious issue, if, if not, you know, a violent, something that could even resort in violence if you force her to subsidize someone else's abortion, something that she thinks is murder. And she said, that's not that big of a deal. Or she alluded to it not being a huge deal. And it, that's when I realized that these people they're just it, it's even if they don't realize it i mean this is evil stuff right this is disgusting morally apparent stuff making someone else pay for something that they you know that may well be i mean it's still very disputed but it may very well be you know murder right forcing those people to pay for something like that and not even thinking about it not even thinking like oh well you know this person has a good point or oh just thinking like oh they're just some you know crackhead back in Oklahoma or whatnot they don't matter you know it was just so disgusting and I was like I don't ever want these people to have power I don't ever I if it means that I don't get power it makes these people don't get it makes me think of uh, one of the recent Project Veritas leaks too. I think it was from Pfizer, I believe, where Mm -hmm. they talked about having foreknowledge that fetal cells were being used in the shots and, and that they deliberately were told to keep that information away from people. I'm completely new to this. Used in the research that led to not actually in 
Yeah, but they basically okay. But the point of the leak was showing that they knew this information and wanted to keep it away because they thought it would, uh, you know, increase hesitancy amongst people. Yeah, they didn't want yeah. they didn't want that getting out amongst sure. the Christian community because they knew that would make them even more, you know, hesitant, hesitant to get the shot. Not want to right. get it because it goes against their belief system. And I think that's what it comes down to here is. Whether mm-hmm. anyone believes it's murder or doesn't believe it's murder, there are people who do. And shouldn't they have a right to say, I don't want to pay for that because right. it goes against my my morals, my values, my belief system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fundamental point of this argument more than anything, right. not whether or not someone agrees with abortion or doesn't it's do you want to force that belief upon everyone and do you think exactly that's, do you think that that's going to be possible without a fight because right right i think i think they underestimate some of these people and how powerful belief is too and mm-hmm. how people will die for belief yeah no and that leads right into why i think a national divorce is plausible and is going to be a lot less deadly than whatever comes next because as you mentioned when a sect of the population is forced to follow uh, these laws that they deem so disgusting and so awful that, that you know, a revolt will ha- happen, some kind of revolt, and people will lose their lives, and it will be bloody, and it will be awful. And I feel like the only way that we can avoid something like that, the easiest way, not the only way, um, would probably be a national divorce. And uh, I think that a lot of people get worried about, like, um, the, these us being like rival states or whatnot. Um, I think the states of America, you know, even even if there is a national divorce, I think that they would be crazy not to implement some type of free trade agreement <laughs> along state lines, just because so much of our our business is already in other states, right? I mean, you have like one of the biggest businesses, right? Amazon is in like how many different all fifty states, right? You know, you can't just like tax these entities or whatnot out of oblivion this is kind of why i think the biggest rift is not going to be abortion i really it's the mandates i think it's the Mm -hmm. thing that really seems to be dividing the country and and drawing that really hard line between those who want to be left alone for the most part and are pro you know freedom and then the people Mm -hmm. say well i think the state should be able to tell people what to do and right. if you don't agree with that, then you can't do X, Y, and Z in society mm-hmm. anymore. And that will affect anything like a free trade agreement too, because if they, if the states that start, you know, enforcing more harsher mandates continue on that direction, and then the states that don't continue on their direction, eventually there's just going to be a split and a cutoff and like, well, I can't go over there because I don't have a shot and they don't want to come over here because they're afraid we're all going to kill them with, with the virus right it's just i see that that's the direction we seem to be heading in i i yeah i know and it's it's a scary direction to be in i feel like what you know if you had like texas and let's say like new mexico were separate states at that point i could see a world where new mexico runs new mexico how they want to run it and texas runs texas how they want to run it and these two states still trade these two states do stuff like that because I feel like people in both states would be content with being left alone, right? And Texas is going to govern how the Texas people want Texas to govern, right? So they're going to be, you know, left alone to the fullest extent. They don't have to tolerate abortion. They don't have to tolerate illegal immigration, any of that stuff, where New Mexico can do anything they want. And I feel like that um, once people are content with that, I feel like, you know, because I, I 
think the biggest thing is probably just government poking and prodding at you to do something like a mandate or whatnot. Um, once people have governments that stay out of their lives or uh, once a group of people have a government that's completely intertwined with their lives and they're fine with that, I think that um, anything else, like I, I don't think they would be unwilling to trade with another nation. I think, honestly, I think this subject really gets to the core of uh, a rift that was in the in the country from its birth from the very beginning and i think i mentioned on the show before but the rift between the federalists and the anti-federalists right and this this has always been the argument you know bigger alexander hamilton sucked yeah well he he was was definitely uh, very popular though he liked the bigger government he was right for that more than anything and a lot of people don't realize this or tend to forget, I think, just because it's not really emphasized to us when we learn about the country's mm-hmm. history, is the we have the Bill of Rights because of the anti-federalists. The federalists right. put together this document and they're like, oh my God, everything looks good. Here it is. Here's all our rights and stuff. And then when they looked at it together and you started having some of the anti-federalists were like, oh, bro, you forgot this, you forgot this, you forgot this, <laughs> exactly. you forgot this and you forgot this. And right. there's this huge debate over it right at the beginning. And it's like some some historians even call it like the, the second founding of the country is the ratification of the Constitution. Right. And adding those amendments on there is is because of the anti-federalists. It was the people who right. wanted smaller government and less control in that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's been there from the very beginning. It's right in the founding. You know. Yeah, well, Daniel, I mean, it's just awful that you would say that because those people owned slaves and <laughs> anything that they ever did was just a yeah. damned mistake it, staying on this that, earth. That gets to the core <laughs> of it, too, is that when you, when you look at the anti-federalists, people will just easily dismiss those points and say, oh, mm-hmm. well, it's, they were the slave owning state. So, of course, they wanted less federal involvement. Right. There's legitimacy to that. Mm-hmm. It makes historical sense contextually when you look back at the time, like, yeah, of course, those would be the states who would want Mm. less of a big government involving themselves in whatever the hell they did because they wanted to maintain that system. Sure. And yes, it was the main reason the Civil War broke out as well. But at the end Mm. of the day, there's still legitimacy to the argument of states' rights and how much power state have as opposed to the federal government. And that battle's always been there you know Mm -hmm. and it's still going on right now absolutely it has to do with the mandates the mandates is a perfect modern example of this debate between Mm -hmm. what the government should be able to do how big it should be and whether or not it should just fuck off right exactly now imagine not even having to have that fight and you can't say it's slavery anymore that we're on the side of slavery because the way i look at it it's like well now it's swapped now y'all northerners are the ones who are on the side of slavery you're the ones who's segregating people Uh we're the ones who want to leave people alone and let them be free and so it's funny how history (laughs) has kind of like swapped it it was the best thing i feel like uh Oh God, I can't say her like name, but because it, it, I never pronounce it right. But uh, M, MTG, she was there. At, what Taylor Green, that congresswoman, she tweeted out something like, um, "Oh, Marjorie Taylor yeah. Green." Yeah, yeah, Marjorie. I'm sorry, I, I forgot it, but uh, <laughs> she she tweeted out something like, "I didn't get my uh, vaccine, just like 93% of like Africans." <laughs> like it was this, it was this thing, and I feel like it's very, very funny and humorous when uh, these people take the like the the racism thing you know they say you're racist you're awful and they throw it back in their face and they say well screw you i mean like 
this is it's it's such like a good troll I feel like and um it's also you know um I don't know it's cool it's funny I like the tweet and I like her I think she would be very very good at Thanksgiving she's entertaining (laughs) they totally (laughs) stripped her they stripped her of her like committee membership or something right I remember hearing not too long ago because of like her comments about like space Jews, which Dave Chappelle made a reference to. Yeah, he's great. Right. I love. I so I've heard Joe Rogan thinks she's a drunk or something like that. She honestly, she is kind of crazy. She comes across <laughs> as like maybe she's on the sauce she's a little, a bit. little unhinged. I, I would much rather have a drunk, incompetent congresswoman than uh, a competent someone who really understands government. It's tame now, man. It's tame. Like I've been right. about stuff in the past, and man, dude, there were fist fights and all types of crazy shit happening right. in the halls of Congress. Like people thought Jan Six was crazy. Like they should go read back in the yeah. history of it because this is how rowdy the country has always been. So wasn't there and, a right. bombing in the eighties? Didn't they bomb the Capitol in the 80s like the weather underground or something wasn't that like i mean it's not even like 50 uh, years ago i don't know there are a lot of bombs I just, I, that. On that. I just know shit was popping off in congress all the fucking time <laughs> not like in right like throwing shit like duels these motherfuckers are crazy yeah 1971 the they bombed the capitol damn <laughs> FBI bulletin members early 70s they carried out a series of bombings against targets including the US Capitol and the Pentagon to the group's a, aim was to form a classless, classless communist, communist world. world wow <laughs> you put uh, putting al-Qaeda to shame my lord right they were like the original like you Antifa. know domestic terrorism <laughs> yeah, right, right. trying to blow people up in the 70s but like yeah like this is way worse than what happened on january 6th and, yeah. and january uh-huh. 6th too like that was like you know 0.1 percent of the people there or less were rowdy who actually broke when it was in. like 99.99 percent of them were just peaceful chilling like having their protest flags they mm-hmm. just they, they legit and- believed and I'll, I'm not gonna, you know, just for you right. sake, I'm not gonna yeah, say I believe sake, or don't can't believe. Say it. They legitimately, legitimately believed that election was tampered with. And mm-hmm. anyone you talked to when you went there and asked them, "Why are you here?" That was why they were there. They did not. They thought there was foul play, right. and they thought there's well, something I mean, should let's, be done about let's it. Be and real, they were let's about be real, 100 for a second. There was not zero percent shenanigans. There was a certain amount yeah. of shenanigans. We just don't know how much, how much shenanigans or whether or not the yep. shenanigans ended up flipping what the result would have been we don't know we don't know because we're not allowed to investigate we're not allowed to talk about that youtube likes to nuke you so, if you get into that without that saying what i think either way what i will say is that i think people can get a pretty good idea <laughs> it was the shadiest election i've ever seen in my life that's it that's all i'm gonna say and, I, and i'll leave it there you know yeah no i absolutely just closing comments i mean i really do truly think that um, January 6th was by far probably worse than 9-11, Adam and (laughs) Eve eating the apple, and I I don't know, uh, Congo genocide all combined. I mean, it, it was... It was it's awful. Like and aerosolized bad. Ebola sprayed on your baby. I'm literally right. shaking. Enjoy your monetization. I'm literally <laughs> shaking. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and do all the things because that's the only way the channel grows. Thank you. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Have you tried <laughs> ASMR before? Ever? <laughs> no. I would subscribe to that. You should do it. This ASMR experience. Yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I gotta get some fake nails and start tapping on the mic or like ah uh, yes, nose, yes. Sprinkle the Dorito. No, you have to do with the nails. See, are people actually into this? People are very much into it. We could have an entire ASMR OnlyFans, and they'll they'll pay for that. Uh, well, I think so. Maybe I don't know. We should do some research. We'll find. We should. <laughs> We need, we need you, you know what you could do daniel you could post another one of your like uh what shirtless pictures and be like subscribe to our asmr only fan i'm sure you would get tons of people so me in my underwear just <laughs> with a gun maybe i don't know yes armed asmr there's the name of the channel right there there you go it's just you unloading and loading your gun in a microphone and that's it that's the whole thing Yes. Like, which gun you choose to show on OnlyFans is up to your up to your choosing. But. All of them. Uh, that all gives, all that, of them. That means that gives me an excuse to spend more money on guns and to write it off as a business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Hey, this for, is for my like, show. The show, bro. All right. So the last thing I wanted to get into was mm -hmm. your student group. Um, oh, of course. Be libertarian. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I yeah, I also want to hear what's here. what's it like on campus for these young people these days. Yeah, what's it like on campus? I remember, you know, okay. years ago when I was on campus. I was yeah, so long, but what's it like on campus? What's the political atmosphere like? You know, yeah. Where do you feel most people lean where you are? And how did you decide to start Aggie Libertarians? Where did the idea come from? And was it just you? Did you have other founders who you worked yeah. with? And what are your goals for it? What do you plan on doing with it? Exactly. No, I, I, I'm willing to answer all these. I'm so happy that you asked. But um, Aggie Libertarians, first off, the bureaucracy like to start an organization is just awful. Like it's, it's the it's worst awful. thing in the world. It took me all semester. I hated it, but it's done and it's recognized. And that's all that matters. So um, the idea came not from me, but it came from uh, the chair of the Libertarian Party in Brazos County. His name is Clyde. He's a very, very sweet gentleman. Shut and up, uh, he was like, hey, is there an, a Libertarian organization there? And I was like, no. And he was like, cool, you're president now. Go, go get it started. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. So you so, were voluntold. Um, yeah, I was voluntold. Um, and I, I did get it done. Um, you know, I, I had some great help from, uh, you know, along the way, I couldn't have done it without, you know, my friends at AM and whatnot, uh, the people that I've met, just through discord, Twitter, all those, all those uh, good places. Um, but the goal of Aggie Libertarians, at least our mission statement, is to uh, have a place where libertarian thought and libertarian people can come together and share ideas and whatnot very, very general, very, very broad. If I didn't want to get too into it because, you know, whoever comes after me, I want them to have very, very, you know, an open array of things that they can do. How I envision uh, Aggie Libertarians is a play or as an organization, right, that uh, promotes the values of libertarianism and freedom and liberty, right? So like the right to self-defense, anti-war, um, pro-Austrian economics, like we were talking and getting those ideas recognition, you know, have to, what the hell is libertarianism, right? I mean, and people can look and see that work. Um, number two, uh, I want there to be a shit ton of guest speakers. Uh, I would, I would like fall over and die if like Scott Horton one day would be like, yo, I'm gonna go to AM hosted by you know Young Americans for Liberty. He's the huge like anti-war guy um, who's written like Fool's Errand and Time to End the War in Afghanistan, all that good stuff. But uh, he's great. I would I'm love to have guest out. speakers. Not familiar with. Uh, Oh yeah, no, he he's incredible. Please, I'm, I'm buying his books for Christmas. But um, there's that, and then I also definitely want to do activism. You know, I definitely want to do events on campus 
Uh, and that's kind of why I have made the decision and Aggie Libertarians has made the decision to try and become recognized with Young Americans for Liberty. So uh, we can have that uh, national support and not have to compromise on our principles. Because from what I've heard, Young Americans for Liberty is very, very open to having a broad set of libertarian organizations on whatever campus, right? So you can be super soft, classical liberal, you know, Republican light, or you can be like hardcore, like anarchists, whatnot. But, uh, you know, they really do provide support for liberty-minded individuals. And that's why I've kind of, that that's kind of an next semester thing, but it's still a thing. So, um, and then political climate. So uh, <laughs> college is like probably one of the worst places for uh, <laughs> conservatism, <laughs> for liberty, right? And um, I think, A&M is considered a very, very Republican school, right? It's, a, you know, when, when you think conservative schools, you think of A&M. About what percent of the students do you think are, are Republican conservatives at A&M? Like maybe 60% conservative, 40% liberal, or maybe even the other way around. I don't know. 51%. 51. Yeah, that's why that's why (laughs) that's why it's a conservative campus. Um, That shows you just how far, you know, to the left conservative or campuses have gone. Right. And um, and I I can't really, you know, blame uh, what I, I can't really blame the students for that. I mean, they're being hounded by these ideas by, you know, their professors uh, that get implemented into these these institutions and whatnot who really make them uh and I'm, I'm quoting malice here but like shock troops right for the woke progressive mob and whatnot you know feeding them these ideas of of whatever you want to call it if, whether you want to call it you know cultural marxism or critical race theory or, or whatever gets them to hate freedom hate liberty hate their country hate themselves right and uh a lot of hate a lot of right hate. no i mean i i <laughs> I feel so bad for uh, whatever straight white male uh, buys into this and then ends up just hating themselves yeah. <laughs> for like, the rest of their life. <laughs> like, I'm a monster, you know, I'm but, um, <laughs> but uh, and really and truly, I, I think that's why I have hope for universities or for, at least for my generation, for, you know, whoever is because uh, being woke sucks. <laughs> like it's, it's not fun from what I've, you know, heard. You really do have to, you know, limit the things you want to say, limit the, the thing. And, you know, um, it just makes you just a less genuine person it, because all, all this, I feel like being woke, right, is like one of the like bare minimum things you can do to make the world a better place, right? I mean, all it's really doing is you curb your speech, you go and you, you watch like, uh, the Black Lives Matter videos on YouTube to get them ad revenue or whatnot. And then um feel really guilty about your skin color. Exactly. And then like what are you actually doing? Like where are you at the homeless shelter giving out food, you know, to homeless people? Like are are you uh, I don't know, campaigning for like starving kids in Africa? Like what what are you you're you're focusing on all these issues like um what? Like racism that a, a lot of the time you know, and I'm not saying that there's no racism in America. There, there are racists in there's America. Definitely racist. I, I have, <laughs> please, there are homophobes in America. There, yep. there are, and, and yeah. guess what? But there's people a lot of are everywhere. 
And these people are everywhere. And I would, I would make the huge argument that um, scolding these people and shunning them from society, and I know this, I don't know how hot of a take this is, is probably a bad idea. Really no, I and truly. I, I think, I, I think, think that, they should feel like they can speak and people view that right. as the dangerous. They don't want them. That's the dangerous view. They think, mm-hmm. oh, well, no, we deplatform them. We want them to feel scared and, and to right. not speak. It's like, no, I'd rather know who they are. I'd rather have. Yeah, I, I would much rather. I would know themselves. who they are. And yeah. more importantly, accepting them into society and, and, or not, maybe not accepting, but at least letting them have a voice in society gives us an opportunity to change their mind. I cannot tell you how many people and how many stories I've heard about, you know, your homophobic, like, parents or whatnot, or your, your you know, racist grandma or, or whatnot, and then, like, they have, um, well, I mean, I'll just, I'll just, my great-grandmother, right, I mean, she was, she's pretty racist, she's dead now, but she, she, was, <laughs> she, was, she was pretty, pretty racist. racist, you know, and, and you know, all love to her, she's very Italian and whatnot. And I, I think the thing that like brought her, oh my God, my AirPods are dying. Just tell me if I cut out. But um, I think the thing that like brought her around really and truly was watching Family Feud and Steve Harvey. And she's like, oh, this black guy's pretty awesome. You know, <laughs> and, like, she, she loved him. She loved watching him. And I think, I think that that was the beautiful thing. And, and I think, you know, it didn't take people yelling at her and telling her she's an awful racist, no good wannabe person. Are you Which familiar probably... with David Dorn? David Dorn, I, oh, no, sorry. Is it I'm David not. Dorn? Yeah, no, that's- That's the cop who died. That's the cop who it's died. Some... That was his name, the uh, guy who talked who to died. the KKK David member. David Duke? No, David Duke is the actual KKK member. Oh. Um, Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis. Daryl. I knew there was there was a, there's some D alliteration happening in there. Okay. Yeah. So this guy, he was a musician. He was like playing. Yeah, I found him. So mm-hmm. he was an R&B and blues musician, an activist, author, actor, and a band leader. Um, his efforts to fight racism, in which as an African American, he has engaged with members of the Ku Klux Klan. And he has mm-hmm. convinced a number of Klansmen to leave and denounce just by the like KKK. talking yeah. with them. He, he, like, he was on TED, right? TED yeah, Talk or something. He's been a yeah, okay. He was on Rogan him. too, actually. He did. Oh it. wow, okay. Rogan. He and he brought in one of the uh, capes that was given to him by uh-huh. a friend who left the KKK, and yeah, you know, it started with this one guy who he just met while he was performing and and it was similar to that they were like wow this black guy's pretty good at music <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they started talking and i guess right, slowly, right. you know it's, it was really tense in the beginning but slowly over time he's become to realize to see him as a person yeah. and that right. everything that they've down. been told yeah. about black people is wrong yep. because you know daryl davis basically disproved it just by being in front of yeah. him and it started with right. that one guy and from there right. he was able to to get quite a few of these people to take their cows off and to turn their back on that mm-hmm. entire institution so it does go to show yes people can change and and yeah it's possible and it might be harder for some than it is for others and i'm sure there are ones out there who probably can't and they're probably lost causes and mm-hmm. you probably just tell them to go fuck off and move on with your life but overall 100%, I, think, I agree to allow the battle of ideas to take place in open free mm-hmm. space is far more important. And I think I agree with you that to, to chase them into the shadows is the worst thing we could possibly do because right. then they're just going to fester there in secret and probably, you know, explode into an actual dangerous uprising of these right. like, people that feel so disenfranchised and cut off and silenced and all this, that it only lends legitimacy to their ideas 
when that's right. and, what we and, need. We need them talked about so we can dismantle the ideas and, and wake the ones up that we can wake up. You know, and they act like it's this big epidemic, like racism is worse than it ever was. It's like, mm. no, they're still out there, but they're not like gathering into armies ready to storm Washington, D.C. and take over the government right. and, and institute the next white nationalist state. And that's what these people think is like happening. Right. It's like, dude. Still waiting. They've been saying that <laughs> like, after, after Jan 6, I was like. Yeah, I, I was really, I was, really, I was like, oh my god, I'm blind. Yeah. I can't see his watch. I, can't I was like, see the story. where is it? it? It never showed up, you know. And it's because yeah, no. it, it made a mountain out of a molehill. Yes, there are still racists in the country. Of course, there's still going to be people who hold the Confederate mm. flag very near and dear to them, especially if they have like ancestors and stuff who fought on that side, etc. Right. But ultimately, this is truly one of the least racist places to be on Earth. And yeah. despite all of the problems we've had with that issue that in and of itself is something that should be acknowledged and these woke people just they can't allow themselves to acknowledge that because mm-hmm. they they need i think they need the battle they need to feel they need to fight right. something like i can't think of what else it is and it's like they need so they need to believe it is as bad if not worse as it was in the past so the, right the exactly. war is, is legitimate you know yeah no and and yeah i i completely agree with all that i i do think that if anything, and also, I mean, it, it's probably one of the Democratic parties and frankly, the government's biggest tool, right? I mean, is, is the claim of mass widespread racism. And, um, you know, I, I would probably go as far as to say that, you know, that there are institutions in the United States uh, that are prejudiced, right? And, and whatnot. Well, uh, I certainly know the FBI is prejudiced against James O'Keefe, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, I, I also think that we have to see, you know, that's number one, it's not as widespread as everyone, you know, on, on the woke left, you know, thinks it is, right? Because that's just not, I, I don't, that's really just a talking point that really isn't ever, it, they usually, what they do is say like, oh, there, there's a disproportionality here, therefore it's racist, Right. And um, I think that's such a huge gap in logic, just to go off that, you know, um, because you have a huge, what, disproportionality and I I don't know, I'm trying to think of something. Well, I guess I would lead in their their sexist argument, right, of, of, you know, women, women more than not wanting to stay home with the kid, right, and take care of the kid and then men so therefore work is or you know this company is sexist when in reality it takes a complicated issue and it reduces it to some to one cause as if right exactly multitude of factors that contribute to Mm. them yeah yeah, so i guess the women's issue is one one thing but right in regards to you know i guess well granted i I would say the women's issue is not an issue (laughs) education is one i think of in Mm. minorities and how less minorities graduate from college and seem to excel in the academics and what we're doing is we're creating a system where we're just sort of letting them in and just barely passing them Mm -hmm. in order to have a diverse campus when it's not like addressing the root causes of why so little of them are staying in college and so little are graduating and that's kind of what the woke does is it it's um it screws the people they're trying to help 
Yeah, right. it's the it's it's the what's the term that Saul used? It's like the the tyranny of low expectations. I think that was there. You go. Yeah, the, the, I think it, the bigotry, the bigotry, the bigotry of low of expectations. Low expectations is that where we're just like, oh well, we need to look like our campus is diverse, and that's far more important than actually addressing the root issue as to right. why more of our students of color are dropping out and not graduating. But whatever, let's just funnel them all in and make sure. Right. I mean, Joe yeah. Biden said it best: you poor know. kids can be just as successful as white kids. You know I, what I mean? Uh, I can't believe he got a pass for that from these. <laughs> I can't believe it. Crazy. Oh my God, Joe Biden got passes for so, so many things. Many things. <laughs> I don't know. A list. We got to compile like a list to a whole episode of just things that Joe Biden. Like has if you do his his nineties quotes, like from Joe Biden in the nineties, like he like literally Biden. like called like like said black people are like living in the jungle or referenced some like I think it was in Baltimore. He was talking about Baltimore being like a jungle full of monkeys and all kinds of. Oh, oh my god! All the Seven Eleven comment quotes. the other day. It's ridiculous. The Seven Eleven comment. The What's other the Seven Eleven? He was like making a joke, like oh, when you go into a Seven Eleven, you know, you have to see a guy with an Indian accent or something, oh and they just caught him. Like someone just Grandpa him, Joe, like on a whim. Somebody this was from, retired from that Obama man. years, I think. Though. Unrelated, yeah. unrelated. Um, I, I do think that Joe Biden may have a point about the Seven Eleven. I feel like every single Seven Eleven I've ever been to, there there has always been an Indian person. I've never seen that as a negative thing, though. They're always very, very nice. <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why. Well, at least in maybe college station. I love, or, I love Indian food. I'm a big fan. It's I mean, too much I, for some people. Like, I know they can't. It's too much for nice. me. It's too yeah. spicy. Look, it's at, look at me. Right I mean, I, I can't get I do love Indian food, though. It's just, as soon as we start talking about it, that's the first thing that came to my head. Like, I'm just like, right. lamb sag. Daniel, you need to eat more, Daniel. I do need to eat more. So let me ask you, Cam, while I have you here, what do you think about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict? Oh, yeah. I think Kyle Rittenhouse is probably more of a hero than the majority of cops in Kenosha. That's what I think. It's a fair take. Very fair. Truly and true. And and, uh, it was funny because I I did, there was a big falling out between me and a bunch of high school friends, uh, not friends acquaintances that you know I was probably never going to talk to again over me posting something that uh I don't know if you guys know who like Drew Hancock is or he's lockout days on Twitter but his his tweets are like fired amazing incredible and I posted one of his tweets on my story and oh my god it just completely you know that there's this yeah it was so bad right um (laughs) so they tried to cancel you is what you're saying well I mean it's awful and it's racist and it's horrible except (gasps) it's not right awful because I I mean if if you look at the trial if you look at the facts of the trial right and you know how it was like yeah he he did cross state lines with a firearm that he was legally allowed to own yeah, the firearm never crossed state lines i'm sorry see look at me i mean i'm perpetuating the lies yeah right but this is the thing is like there was so much misinformation yeah, about I was uh-huh. so many times yeah. it's like hard to know it's like it's real. these people actually mm-hmm. do literally live in a different reality in their head now because right. that's that's what they've imbibed is that false reality and to this day, they're still repeating these clear lies that have already mm-hmm. been disproven. And if all they did was just watch some of the trial, they would know that these things have already been disproven. The gun didn't right. no, exactly. Lies, you know, it's- and he had it legally. He was not illegally carrying. He was mm-hmm. covered. They threw that charge out because it was by law. And, and wasn't Kenosha his hometown? 
Like, wasn't that where he, he was didn't from? Live there. Yeah, his no, father so, lived there and well, he had family who lived there. And he his, worked there. Okay. So his parents, he had grow up, he grew up there. His parents divorced. His mom moved 20 minutes west into Illinois. So it, yes, you could say it was his hometown. Now, was he actually living in the town at, at that time? time? No. No. Well, he was going back and forth between mom and dads, but he mostly lived at his mom's, who was 20 minutes away. But yeah, his dad lived in the neighborhood. His uncle had a business, like his grandfather, mm-hmm. like he had roots there, you know, versus, you know, like Gage Grosskreutz yeah. and Andrew and, Anthony Huber, who came from farther away than he did. Right. People keep exactly. saying too that his mom drove him across state lines. His mom did not fucking drive him. Watch the trial, you dumbasses. It's, it's just, but this is the thing. They don't actually do research. They just, right. they just read headlines. What they honestly, I think most right. read just the headlines for the most part, even mm-hmm. of the propaganda that they're imbibing and that they just read the headline and they're like, oh, well, the racists got off today. Right, right exactly. Well, and I thought it was good that there wasn't any riots as a result. Now, maybe it was because it's the winter time. I think maybe part it's of because, that. you know, there were enough conversations like these that were getting the true facts out there to mm-hmm. order so that people were getting disarmed because like i saw anna kasparian she's very far left you know in the the sank uh sank uger uh young turk show and she was even like you know she was she admitted that she realized for the first time that it wasn't a bunch of black men that he shot up yeah. because that rumor was being circulated right by major publications up to the like even during the trial including the independent so like they were repeating that lie like the week of the verdict and it's I, just so I think crazy part, part of the reason but you see that's all they have yeah right this is it this is. is the stupidity of these people all they have all they, well I, I say like all they have like it's no big deal but <laughs> they they have the corporate press and they have the numbers once you start chipping away at one two i think I think Trump did a pretty good job at delegitimizing a lot of the corporate press for a bunch on the right. Yeah. I think the left, we need to work on fake them. news. Like, right, right. Exactly. Uh, well, one of the things I want to say is I think part of the reason there was no riots, at least mm-hmm. not much activity in that regard is because the case that had just been settled was someone who got off for self-defense. Right. And exactly. A lot of the people who would have been more prone to doing some of the stupid <laughs> shit that was done in summer 2020 after seeing that we're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go out and break shit tonight because the gun people are going to feel really, really emboldened right now. Right. And they're going to just be like, well, fuck it. Kyle just got off. Let me defend myself tonight. So I right. think that that was part of why we didn't really see a big explosion, but man, the tantrum on Twitter was glorious it was of course I, I mean and i i think that leads us horrible to things divorce. <laughs> yeah i i do not want to live in a country where there are people who think that defending property from mass looting mass rioting mass arson when you're the police which you and i pay for right and taxes and your parents yeah. pay for and, and your neighbor pays for will not do anything about it i mean they'll, they'll clear streets and say this street is not worth protecting just let it to the right they the never want to talk about the context right exactly They'll say oh no, and- kyle shouldn't have been there this is the one you always see oh well it, he shouldn't have been there oh maybe he was carrying legally but he shouldn't have been there they always come back to that he shouldn't have been there when they don't have anything else to argue not that, only that but why were the arsonists the looters and the rioters there that's they the had point. no reason to be there either. that's the point is they they right. never acknowledged the context it's like hey look maybe he shouldn't have 
And this is where I am with these people. I'm like, look, maybe right, of course. you have been there. Maybe you should have known. But are you going to acknowledge the situation that led up to people like him feeling like they had to be in the first exactly. place? Exactly. And if you're exactly. not, then you're disingenuous. I don't take your, your yeah seriously. You should acknowledge both and say, oh, well, the Ryers shouldn't have been there either. So although I think Kyle shouldn't have been there, I understand why he was there. I would respect that more. Let right. me ask, can I ask you, Cam, do you support a firearm? In the, uh, the land of so here, here's the deal um i'm in the process right uh I, I i've always wanted one um i do not own one that like is with me are you um, like are you living you live on campus right so uh no i live off campus uh, oh, okay really and truly look uh my life um being in college uh and you know being very very close to my family still um which is good <laughs> um my mom is not the biggest fan of guns <laughs> or tattoos or piercings, uh, which yes. is why I do not have a gun, a uh, tattoo, or a piercing uh, at this moment. So <laughs> um now now granted I'm you know college station is a safe place. Uh there there really isn't you know a lot of stuff. I feel like that if I were in I don't know if I were like in Austin or, or something like that and you know mom said like hey, I, I would really feel comfortable. You know, it's not telling me like, hey, you can't have one. It's just like, hey, I would feel comfortable if maybe you waited until after college to buy a firearm. Okay, that's whatever. I mean, I, I agree. I get it. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, cause her any more stress than she already has to deal with. But um, if I were in Austin, it'd be different. I'd be like, hey, I'm sorry, but I also don't want to get like jumped, you know? Yeah. Um, Austin is scary, uh, at least for me. I don't know. But um no, I don't own a firearm. Uh, I really do want to, though, one day. Yeah, I got. I know one. how to shoot. Not well, but I do. That's fine. It's, it's harder than it looks. It just takes a little practice. It's like yeah. you know, I will not. I will not accept any shooting courses unless they're taught by Kyle Rittenhouse, and that's it. <laughs> that's my only condition. So, <laughs> speaking of the other thing that I thought was uh, interestingly trending right now is that uh, the Juicy Smollett trial is going to begin tomorrow. It's going to be juicy. It's oh going God, to be that's taking forever. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, you know, these things take time. And then there was the initial shenanigans with the prosecutor who was like politically connected, and she wasn't going to oh, wow. file charges. And then there was like a whole brouhaha about you know her getting fired and mm. they had to rotate the whole cast of characters involved then they reinvestigated and then they decided to, char to file charges so there's been a lot of like dance you know because chicago is not exactly you know it's not exactly known for their lack of corruption there but uh yes yeah, so that's going to start tomorrow and i just thought that was funny and we also have the the jill a well yeah thing coming up which I'm very curious to see how that's going to go. <clears throat> the thing that sucks about it is- If you see is, anything. Well, yeah, so we're not allowed- not gonna No cameras. It. They're probably going to put, what they're going to do is they're going to put cameras in the Juicy Smollett and they're going to like- Oh yeah. Cover that yes. to death. They're going to overshadow one with racism. the other. They desperately want the Jelaine case, the Epstein story, all of that stuff to just go away. And I think, I think the elite are really pissed that it hasn't. So they right. know they know they have to, I think, throw throw a bone. And part of it is just the victims who've come forward, who've been really brave, really brave to come mm. forward against these people too. That's why the story has not died. So you I wanted know, to I ask them the credit. I wanted to ask him if he, do you have any predictions for Jelaine or the juicy Smollett 
situations. Um, uh, Juicy Smule, I, I did not. I'm I'm totally butchering that. I have no clue. I, I didn't even know that trial was happening tomorrow. Um, granted, it, I, I think the whole case is really funny. Um, I really don't. Do you think he faked my, it? He faked that. Uh, shit. Well, of course he faked it. I'm just saying that, like, I don't. Who goes to Subway at three in the morning? <laughs> no. Look. Here's my thing with with that whole thing. Is it awful and terrible? Of course. Did anybody get hurt? No. I still and and my whole thing is like I just he's so unimportant that like it just doesn't matter. It's completely like shadowed by this other trial that's going on, which um I really hope I could be like very like white pilled and hopeful for this trial that's going on. I look, there's a reason she's not dead. And uh, I think that's because the whole truth is probably not going to come out. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I there was some interesting, like, interesting connections about the prosecutor being the daughter of James Comey, who's the who's the FBI. Right. Guy. I saw the that. Head of the FBI when he yeah. had the sweetheart deal in like 2000. <laughs> it's like already like yeah. shady as fuck. The whole thing is shady. Honestly, I, I, I'm convinced and I posted this on Twitter, but I'm convinced mm-hmm. she has some sort of failsafe put in place. Like right, a right. dead drop, a literal dead drop of some sort. Uh-huh. Where information that is stored somewhere will be passed to someone or released in some way on the internet mm-hmm. or to multiple media organizations if she dies, if something happens to her that is obviously right. suspicious. And I think she set that up before she was even arrested. So to mm-hmm. kind of protect her to make sure like, all right, let's, you know, make sure that they can't do anything shady to me. I have this fail safe. I'll let them know that, hey, if anything happens to me, these videos are getting out. These documents are getting out. These pictures are getting out. And a lot of people will be implicated. I don't know if that's yeah. true. That's just my theory. No, I, I have a question for you guys. So, like, if you could, have you ever, like, done that, like, press that button thing where it's like, would you press the button? What not? Okay. So, so I'm, I'm asking, would you press the button, right, if uh, Maxwell was given immunity for her for her crime but she spilled everything every oh, name oh yeah every official every disgusting act that has happened but she faces no punishment what do you guys oh, think yeah. totally i think i would definitely consider it because i think it, it would be more important to get all of these people you know because her name her yeah. name her name is already smeared and mm. I think no matter what, she's not going to have like a normal life after this. Good. For, yeah, for, some, exactly. for someone like her, who's a socialite and all of that, that might be a big enough punishment, to be honest. Would I like to see her go down with all of them? Of course. But I, I think if that was the choice that was given, man, mm-hmm. yeah, drop the fucking name. She could have immunity. I want to see as much of these bastards go down as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just like riddling off like the connections that she has in my head the other day. And it's like Bill Clinton. Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton, the Podesta brothers, uh, Leon Black, who is like the head, uh, he's one of the head people in MoMA. He's also like this billionaire dude. Leslie Wexner, who is this billionaire dude who basically started Victoria's Secret. Uh, And if you read or listen to Maria Farmer's allegations about what he was involved in, she was one of the victims of Epstein. Um, If you read into what she says, he's dirty. He like, she called him like the head of the snake. But in reality, I think that there's probably multiple Epstein-like individuals that are like all like right. Epstein is just like 
one of many. Like he's probably like a hundred Epstein's in the United States right now. Yeah, uh, maybe a thousand in the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And I think that they are definitely connected to CIA, to Mossad, to you know MI6, and they all do this game of like you know getting rich and powerful people in these compromising positions, and then you know, if they need them to do something, they can nudge them and be like, "Oh, we have that video of that time with you and that fifteen-year-old. Remember?" Mm-hmm. So, right. But yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like, like maybe Bill Gates goes down, right? Because that's going to be huge. And you also saw some, the potential for that with God, like, his wife just left him. Let's not, let's not hate on the guy too much. <laughs> well, I <laughs> think guy. that might be, that might be why. The other reason is that the divorce. Oh, God, can you imagine if that was why? Well, it's possible. I mean, that would be crazy. She, she was, you know, if you look back into the history there, she was very adamant about being against his interactions with Epstein, like going all the way back. So, uh, and Whitney Webb talks about this and some of her articles. She's great. If you don't know Whitney Webb, she's like done so much. She's like one of the like few remaining investigative journalists. Mm -hmm. And she tends to not get a lot of credit or clout because, she does these deep dives into like the Epstein situation or like looking into Dwayne's family. Well, I think it's, I think the Israeli connections <clears throat> is one of the main reasons that she's probably not as popular with the conservatives. Cause she talks about them. Yeah. And that, oh, okay. I think the conservatives, if anything, one of the biggest ways in which we differ from most conservatives is we don't think the Israeli government is above criticism or right. a lot of conservatives seem to think it is. And I mean, I'm not as extreme to say like, oh, I think we should abolish Israel and all of that. Israel's here to stay. Mm. I don't think that's going anywhere. But to right. say that the Israeli government isn't responsible for any war crimes themselves and doesn't do a lot of shady, horrible shit, I think is just unreal. Right. The, the Israeli government is, is just another government. Yeah. Sad, sadly put, frankly put. And, you know, I think it's because I'm pretty, you know, devout in my Christian beliefs and, you know, obviously I, I have been, you know, raised and told by so many people that Israel can do no wrong and it must be defended at all costs and whatnot. And, uh, you know, and then I, I wake up a little bit and say like, well, you know, it, it is a government, <laughs> you know, these, these people, these people's jobs are to, you know, get into power and stay in power as long as possible and by any means. Right. So yeah. obviously it's not as pure as, you know, a lot of conservatives would like to think. doesn't mean Israel's not a good place or a holy place. No, yeah. Know? I mean, like I said, and I've heard it's beautiful. It's here to right. stay. And this is kind of where I am on that issue. And I used uh-huh. to speak more on this, more from the pro-Palestinian side. And now mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't look at it in that way anymore with sides, just because right. it's such a complicated such a there's no good guys in the league and i i just i mostly feel or anywhere for the kids (laughs) for the Mm -hmm. kids it's where i really feel for and just how much young people are affected by the conflict especially in the gaza strip and i think that's the most heartbreaking situation is that you know they're used by hamas on one side and they're killed by the israeli government on the other side Mm -hmm. and i just don't see any winners I, i wish there was some kind of way to resolve the situation right peacefully and i i just i don't see any at all and i don't comment start with, as much we could start with stop funding that. israel to the tune of millions of dollars a day yeah well we could definitely bigger. use more of that money i think for the american people i think that's a good idea that i agree with mm-hmm. but i just i i don't know what to do about the situation and now you look at also the whole vaccination thing that the israeli government is putting their people through and right the freaking 
It's weird. I, I don't know, but apparently the right wing people in Israel are the people who are pushing the vaccines, and the light, uh, the left wing people are not. It's very weird yeah. politically, right? It Just is across weird the globe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very interesting. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for having me on. We'll, we'll uh, do it again. I'm sure. We man. need to have like a you know like a based drunk gay <laughs> off YouTube get to vote on here. You know, just rumble only, non-friendly. Yeah, where we sip whiskey and beer and stuff and conspiracy theories. Get a little more unhinged. It has to be around another holiday, though, so I can wear something else that's, that's I don't know, maybe I can, like, dress up. Never mind, not as a bunny. I feel maybe like we'll that's do a New Year's <laughs> thing or something. A New Year's thing? Yeah. Maybe. I'll, I'll dress yeah, up when's, a Yeah, when is Liberty shit coming back? I haven't seen you and Toad. Oh, me and Toad. Well, Toad has a whole ass job now, yeah, which um, is, is very time consuming, I, I think. And uh, granted, I'm, I'm pretty bogged down with upcoming finals and whatnot. Oh, but, right. You've um, got finals coming up. Yeah, that's a heck of a When's your here. semester over? It's like two weeks. My now. semester ends, I think, December 6th. 15th 15th and then i get my tonsils out on the 20th so i'm gonna be dead for half of my christmas break wow yeah and then yeah i have my tonsils i never have so (laughs) random i don't know what that's like (laughs) (laughs) um and so is this your senior year are you this is my junior year your junior so so yeah Jesus. All right. That's good. Then we will i guess we'll be back and cam can be our like on campus texas sort of perspective We're oh getting, my god getting, can, I, can uh, I be like your reporter abroad yeah so much Tell fun. Look at that. On <laughs> I, I can be your a&m correspondent <laughs> <laughs> yes awesome dude cam thanks for coming on oh, and then shout out, shout out your uh where your can social find you? where can they find you? oh sure it's uh it's italian guy on it's like ill as in like cool like i-l-l <laughs> Ill. italian guy on twitter and then um I don't know. Instagram is just ill and then dot Italian or whatnot. If you want to follow, if you don't, that's cool too. I'll put and links in the, yeah, so the description. The Aggie Libertarians, you can find them. Oh at, yeah, no. At absolutely. Tamu Liberty. So T-A-M-U Liberty. Right. Yes. Perfect. All right. Cool. Dude, is. have a good night. Thanks for chatting with us. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Tomorrow. So we'll let you know. Okay. I'll see ya. Later.